0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Elam Road podcast. We are recording today's episode online as we're a little short on personnel. Clayton is on holiday in South Africa. So shout out to Clayton if you're listening, mate. Uh, Happy birthday as well. So today I'm joined by Niall, who's making his Elam Road debut. Niall, how are you, mate?
1: I'm good, thanks. How are you?
0: Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Let's just get straight into this. We're going to go quickly through the Everton game before talking about Southampton. And then we'll go on to Leicester at home this weekend before getting your funniest Brentford story. And he's already told me a couple that he's thinking about telling and uh, they're both quite good. So we'll, we'll get to that at the end, but first let's go through the game. So Everton, firstly, no what, what did you make of the day?
1: Um, Well, the actual day itself was very interesting. Um, <laughs> the game, well, we obviously were conceded in like the first, what was it, 20, 30 seconds. Um, and I think that's something you don't do against a Sean Dyche team because they just sit back and make it difficult. Um, interestingly, I think where we've struggled this season is actually breaking teams down. So I think against Everton, we had 70% of the ball. Um, That's probably most we've had all season in a game. Um, And yeah, I I think we did create a couple of chances, but I think Tarkovsky was so good for them that day, I think. Um, And they just made it really difficult for us. I I didn't see us getting a goal. Um, I I think... they didn't really have any clear-cut chances, so maybe a draw would have been a fair result, but it's just one of those things that could have gone either way, and unfortunately, we were on the wrong side of it. So,
0: Yeah, 100%. I think uh, I think a draw probably would have been a fair result. There were, there were a couple of chances in the game uh, that I just wanted to skim over very quickly before we go on Southampton. So firstly, I think in the first half, Tony has a sort of diving header where I think he's focusing a bit too much on getting Michael Keane off him rather than getting onto the ball. Um, but that's definitely a chance we kind of have come to expect that Tony would bury, uh, especially this season. Um, he's finally getting the accolades that he yeah. deserves. We'll get onto his England call up later on in the episode. But yeah, so that chance I, I, I felt we should have put away. Then Rico Henry's chance in the second half that was essentially cleared off the line. But as you say, like those those are the only two real chances we had in the game. Um, so I don't think we can be too disheartened walking away with a with a one nil loss. Um I did say before the game, it was a potential banana skin. And like you say, Sean Dyche, you know, we don't have the best record against him. And once you go 1-0 down, um, you know what's going to happen. There's going to be 11 men behind the ball. Uh, so what are we doing? Are we just chalking that down to an off day?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think obviously we've had a bit of luck as well during our run. So a bit of bad luck was always going to happen. Um, but yeah, that's just a bad day. You know, it's a Premier League. Losses away from home are going to happen. Everton are near the bottom of the table um they're fighting for survival they've got Sean Dyche in charge he his teams always give a 100 percent, and uh, I think they just wanted it more than us that day as well to be honest um so yeah that that was just a uh, an off day in my opinion
0: yeah okay well let's get rid of that obviously Everton was quite a while ago there were a couple of funny stories that I did want to tell from the day um, so essentially, Clay, Clayton will be laughing when I'm telling this, but we got the cab from Liverpool Lime Street to Anf- uh, not Anfield, sorry, to Goodison Park to a spoons near the near the ground. Um, we'd we'd only obviously been on the train since half eight, so so we were a little bit tipsy. We'd had a few beers. Uh, we were in the cab, and the cab driver's turned around and, and said to me and Clayton, "There's someone behind me who's trying to cut me off." So being the uh, very responsible adult that I am, I turned around and, you know, gave it a big to the guy, to the Scouse guy in the in the car behind us. Turns out five minutes later, we arrive at the pub, um, five or ten minutes later, and uh, just as we're going through the doors, this Scouse guy storms out of a car and he's like, I'll
1: oh, fucking have all ears,
0: literally followed us the whole way down from wherever we were in the middle of Liverpool all the way down to the ground uh, for a scrap, but. I choose my fights wisely and uh, decided to, oh, nice. I was, yes, I was just myself. So I decided to go into the pub, go where a lot of people were. So nothing happened. Uh, scouts are crazy. Also happened that day was our, our good friend, Tom, wasn't allowed into the game. Might have seen it on Twitter. It got quite a bit of traction. Um, wasn't allowed into the game despite being searched by the stewards and um, it's just weird i think i think the stewards up north they just don't like londoners especially both both times in in liverpool i remember when we played them last season there was an issue with bags and i remember this obviously this season even inside the ground when they had their goal disallowed i i turned around and gave the big into the to the home fans that were right next to me as you do when you're standing right there and the steward was telling me off telling me i was going to get kicked out of the ground if i did it again <laughs> um so yeah, I think the best the best parts of that day were definitely the stories that that we could tell on the podcast. But we're just chalking it down to an off day. I also, but have actually, to
1: so there are a few people that actually got turned away. I saw on Twitter like <clears throat> four or five people. They had nothing on them, um, but the stewards just didn't let them in for some reason. So I don't know what that's all about. You I mean you travel all that way, and why? <laughs> like I know, I don't understand. I know.
0: Strange. Uh, I also have to apologise for the tweet that I sent out before the game saying that uh, we hadn't recorded a podcast after a loss. <laughs> I'm not going to be doing that again. Um, definitely not the lucky charm. So this is actually a bit weird recording a pod after a loss, but that's life, I guess. We were never going to continue the, the season unbeaten. So we're just talking that down to an off day. We're going to Southampton, very much a game that we needed to win. In that respect, the, re- the performance didn't really matter that much, did it?
1: No, not at all. I don't even think Southampton were good. We didn't really need to. Um, I just thought it was a pretty decent defensive performance, to be honest. Um, you know, we didn't need to do much. One of our goals came, was it a corner or a throw-in? Uh, when Norgai flicked it on. Um, cool. And then obviously Wisser at the last minute. Um, so, yeah, it was pretty simple. Um, I thought Southampton were dreadful, though. I think best um, starts to go down after that, so...
0: A couple of red card incidents that I think we should talk about that were doing the rounds on Twitter. Um, what did you make of them both? Firstly, Walker-Peters in the first half on Henry and then Levia on Norgard in the second half.
1: I think the Levi on Norgard one was worse. I think that was very similar to what Casemiro uh, got sent off for the other day. Um you know, VAR checked it and for some reason, I just think the referee should have had another look even if, you know, even if um, it wasn't overturned, the decision. But for the first one, I don't think that was a red card, Walker mm. Peters on Henry. Uh, I think it's it was just a yellow.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think uh, with, the sec- with, with both of them, to be fair, I don't think there's real intent in either of them. Um, but having said that, on both challenges, I think Walker Peters' foot goes over the ball, which is these days being flagged as a red card and Levi's foot goes over the ball and then crashes into to into not Tony into Norgard's leg which is planted on the floor so thank god is thank god he's fine obviously got up but i think you're definitely right the first one the second one was a lot worse than the first and very reminiscent of uh, Casemiro's one the other week for United uh, officiating just in general that day yesterday was was pretty piss poor in my opinion um yeah. we did say to each other
1: Sorry, the liner gave a throw in for us and then the referee just let the Southampton take it for some reason. I don't know, Like it was, such, it was terrible. That that liner on the left of the away end was just, he wasn't at yeah. it the whole like. Yeah,
0: we said to each other we wanted that goal in front of the away end at half-time. Got it, courtesy of uh, another Johan Wisser goal. Are we now at a point where we accept that Wisser is better coming off the bench than he is when he starts?
1: I think he's just good when there's space to run in behind. Um, so that's why he's so good coming off the bench when other teams are chasing a goal. He can um that's you know, running in behind is his his kind of thing. Um I think most of his goals come from that. Um I think when, when he starts, the problem is is that he's not he's not great technically. Um he doesn't really he doesn't really have an impact on games when he starts. Um and when he comes on playing against like tired legs, you're he, always going to look a bit better than when you start. That's yeah, you know what I mean,
0: yeah, no, definitely. I think uh, it's a good point that you make. Whenever we're a goal up and he comes on, he always seems to get a couple of chances when when they're chasing a goal, especially. I remember the goal yesterday. Tony gets the flick on, doesn't he? And he kind of they're 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 pushing forward for a goal. Gets in behind, um, and no one's beating him for pace. But I, I can't really, I can't really figure it out because whenever he comes on, he looks so good. I don't know if I'm putting that down to a tired legs from the opposition or if he just, just has, I don't know, a bit of a good luck charm off the bench. But I think, uh, we should talk about Kevin Sharder's performance as well. We were all quite eager to see him, uh, start a game in a Brentford What did you, what did you make of his performance?
1: I think he was pretty excellent, to be honest. I think, um, we saw what we can do. Um, I still think he's quite raw and obviously learning how to play in the Premier League and how to play with his new teammates and that will take time so I think we should definitely be patient with him but um, no I really really liked what I saw um, we all know how fast he is um, but he also has good technical ability as well so I thought he might just be one of those players just pure pace not much technical ability but he looked he could beat his man um, he looked confident beating his man which is important a lot of wingers kind of shy away from that but he looked like he was confident and um, it seems like he's got a good relationship with a lot of the players off the pitch as well so I think that also helps um, especially when you're new and settling in Um, so no I'm really excited about him I keep forgetting he's only on loan I know there's like a
0: obligation (laughs) to buy isn't there
1: I think I think it's actually an option yeah oh Um, okay right uh, maybe I'm wrong but (laughs) yeah (laughs) no I I think he's definitely one for the future I'm really excited about him
0: yeah, it's a good point you make about him actually being direct and running at people because I think of the wingers that we've that we've had in previous years, people like Canos. I know Kanos did used to run at wingers when he was in the Championship and used to get quite a lot of joy, to be fair to him. But in the Premier League last season, every time he'd go for a, for a take-on, more often than not, I don't think he'd beat his man. And Buemo did it in the Championship very well. But once people kind of figured out how left-footed he is... Um, the kind of mm. you know you, you kind of know what he's going to do every time he's going to cut inside and try and get back on his left and it's kind of a blessing in disguise that now he plays up top with tony i think uh when we play in a five because i think that he's better in that position running off uh tony's flick-ons but yeah 100 Sharda when he's running at someone i don't think i don't think anyone's gonna beat him for pace apart from rick henry maybe <laughs> if he was on the opposite if he was in the opposite <laughs> team. um yeah. but
1: good left side we have
0: 100 percent yeah. <laughs> uh Got a shout out to the Southampton fans taking lumps out of each other in the home end.
1: That was that was hilarious. Always funny when that happens. Uh, they're definitely going down, aren't they? It's... Oh no, 100%. I don't yeah. see how they stay up now. Uh, the performance yesterday was so poor. I know they've had a couple of good results recently, but you just look at the other teams in that relegation kind of battle and I just think the other teams have a bit more quality than they do and a bit more experience. So I think they'll be in the championship next season. Mm.
0: Is our, is our European charge back on? We had, we had a question on the GPG of someone telling us we should stop chanting about Europe. What do you reckon?
1: I don't think we should stop chanting about Europe, but I don't think it's going to happen. But that's just me being a natural pessimist, to be honest. Um, <laughs> I, th- I think you look at Brighton and you look at Chelsea, who look not back to their best, but they won a couple of games and that'll do them the world of good. Um, Liverpool, I know they're a bit you know iffy, but I think they'll be... I think they'll finish in the top six. I think. Um, I think. Interestingly, Newcastle kind of lost form recently, and I, we're only three points off Newcastle. Or if we win our game in hand, we're only three points off Newcastle. So that could be an interesting one. Um, top European football, as much as I want it, I, I just, I just don't see it this season, unfortunately. Okay, we'll
0: we'll get onto a bit more European chat later on because I think someone asked us on the GPG. Uh, about where we realistically or a satisfactory finish for this season in the form we're in. Um, We should talk about Ivan Toney getting a call-up for England. Uh, We've sang his praises on pretty much every episode of the podcast to date. Uh, Fully deserved call-up, isn't it?
1: Oh yeah, 100%. Um, He's been so, so good this season. I think in in this year, this um, calendar year, he's just been phenomenal. He's scored so many goals. Um, I think he's got like third... He's third best for uh, goal con- contributions in the league, and uh, behind, I think it was uh, Salah and Kane, or maybe Son as well. Maybe he's up there. But doing that at Brentford, where obviously we don't create as many chances as they do, um, he's just an all-round top footballer, and he, he completely deserves this call up. I have no idea how he didn't go to the World Cup. So
0: well, I think uh, it was weird because I think a lot of the reaction online is how how are the FA well sanctioning him being picked for England when well I don't know I don't know how it works, but everyone's kind of saying how how is he being called up with all the betting stuff going on. And I think I saw Southgate say in a clip earlier today, he said if he's still playing for his club then I don't see a reason why we shouldn't pick him. Um and I respect that, but I hope I hope Southgate gives him more minutes instead of calling him up and, and not putting him on at all. Uh the thing is it's just it's a difficult situation because any sort of England striker in, in the England setup is going to be second field to Kane no matter how good they are because Kane is one of the best center forwards in the world. Uh I don't really see a way. Well, I don't know. We we've got we've got two games coming up against Italy. I can't remember who the other team is against in the qualifiers. Ukraine. I, Italy and Ukraine. So I don't I don't know I don't know how he's going to feature. Uh I can see him maybe coming on if we're losing against Italy. What do you think?
1: No, I think the Ukraine game the last 20 minutes I think that's what um Well, we should be winning that game. Um, So, yeah, last 20 minutes against Ukraine, I think that will be his time, unless we're winning, I don't know, 3-0 against Italy away, which I doubt. But, yeah.
0: Yeah. Should we talk about uh, Rico Henry not being called up? uh, What what do you think about Rico Henry and and the England situation? You had some pretty strong words yesterday.
1: Um, Well, I love Rico Henry. I think he's a top, top player. He's not at the level of Shaw and Chilwell. Um, I know some people disagree with me on that. I think Luke Shaw is... The best left back in the league, um, minus that Liverpool game, he's been incredible this season. Um, Chilwell is obviously someone Southgate trusts, and you know, South- Southgate likes players that he knows, players that he's picked. I think when you're playing for a team like Brentford, you have to be outstanding to get in the England squad, which is what obviously Tony has been. Um, whereas Rico Henry hasn't been at the Rico Henry's been good but not outstanding. Having said that, Tariq Mitchell got a call up. Um, I think it was last season, and mm-hmm. Rico Henry's a much better fullback than Tariq Mitchell, but I think we had a couple injuries in that area last season, which is why he got the call up. Um but yeah, I, I do love Rico Henry. I just think he's got areas in his game and he needs to improve. Um, you know, there's this whole thing in modern football about technical left backs, and I don't think he he's more of like a, a um a fullback from the past rather than a, a present fullback. You think of, you know, the best fullbacks in the league, Luke Shaw. I know Jacques cancelo is gone, but he's like a trainer Alexander Arnold as well. Um this is like a modern day fullback. I just don't think Rico Henry fits that bill.
0: Yeah, I, I I I don't agree with you that he hasn't been outstanding, but I do agree with you that he doesn't fit the bill of a modern fullback because I think I can't remember if I said it on the podcast or if it's Clayton, I think what I said is the thing that holds Rika Henry back is his attacking output because he's so good in 1v1 defensive situations. I think even Thomas Frank lauded him recently about being one of the best left backs in the league, if not the best, in 1v1 situations. I'd agree with that. I think he's, I think he's outstanding defensively. I don't think you can put, pick a fault in his game defensively. But going forward, he doesn't have the amount of assists that a Luke Shaw would get in a season or the amount of goals that a Ben Chilwell would get in a season so i think that is the only thing holding him back but it's like you say tarek mitchell gets a call up so you know fucking el gareth
1: <laughs> <laughs> i think i think the thing is another thing is that we've played um 352 a lot this season and playing 352 he's like the main obviously outlet on the left um whereas when we play 433 it allows the left winger to cut in and uh, henry has a bit more space to run um like with ben Rama as well when we had ben Rama, that that left side of Ben Rahman and Henry was just like incredible. So mm-hmm. his his game's kind of had to change in the last couple of seasons because of the way we play. I think that's kind of um hindered him a little bit as well.
0: Yeah. Uh, we'll go on to the other side of the defense. Aaron Hickey. Um mm-hmm. I saw someone say on Twitter, I remember that there was there was a tweet format doing the rounds about what's a Brentford opinion that would that would have everyone screaming at you, or something like that. Someone talked about Aaron Hickey not being as good as people think he is. What what, what do you think of him? What do you think of his performance yesterday and his over the season as well?
1: Um, I think there's definitely a very 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 good player there. Um, I mean, you can't knock our recruitment. We would have we wouldn't have signed him if we didn't think that there was a player there. Um, I think he's still so young, nineteen years old. Um, he's played. I think he's only played one full season in professional football. I, I know he started at Hearts when he was 16, but last season was like the first time, I think, that he actually played around 30 or so games. So he's still quite raw. Um, I still can't work out if he's right or left-footed. I'm pretty <laughs> sure he is left. But, yeah, no, he, he, he the thing is, is that he's he doesn't have the pace of Henry, but he's very, very comfortable in the ball, which kind of suits us um, when playing out the back and stuff. I think... I think that he will be a player that t- that goes on to become a 50, 60 million pound le- uh, right back or left back wherever he ends up playing. Um, it's just going to take a bit of time, you know. He's playing in the Premier League and he's 19, you know. You can't expect big things from him. Um, I think his crossing needs to improve but I think... I, I can't really recall a game this season where a wing has completely destroyed him. Mm. Um, maybe Newcastle away but I wasn't there so... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, I, I'm I'm excited about him. Um, I do think Roslev should be starting at the moment, though, when he when he's fit.
0: Okay, fair enough. I think I think, uh, think Roslev's definitely better in one v one defensive situations, a lot like Henry. Uh, but I think I think one criticism that we had of Roslev is that he's not as comfortable on the ball, or he doesn't look for the ball as much as as Aaron Hickey would do. I remember at Forest, he was kind of. And that that's why he gets the some of the criticism that he does sometimes. To be fair, not since um a few weeks ago when he when he put in that amazing shift at City and then did the same at Arsenal. But he doesn't he doesn't call for the ball as much as an Aaron Hickey would do uh, if we were under the cosh or if we were away at uh, a big six club. Um, but you know he he shut those claims up with with those performances at at City and Arsenal. So yeah, I think
1: we can see a lot more from Roslev going forward as well. I think um. I think he's actually quite underrated going forward. I remember there was a game a long time ago against Blackburn. I think it was um it was actually my last game at Griffin Park, I think, and he won a penalty. Um but like I think he was like a step over and he went past the defender. Um I think he's shown glimpses of what he can do. It's just he, he, again he's still very young and he's raw um and he's still learning and obviously Thomas Frank really rates him. Um so now he's also definitely a player for the future, and one I think that will, will become a key player for us. Yeah, we've got
0: two two right backs that are, that are ones for the future, um, and I'm I'm excited about both of them. Right, so at this point we'd normally do our away day section, but seeing as it was the anniversary of that result against Leighton Orient back in 2014, uh, I thought we'd talk a little bit about that day. Um, cracking day, wasn't it? Great day,
1: great game. I think it's one of the best away ends I've ever been in. Like the limbs. Um, no, you can't beat it. I, t- I think from that moment you just knew, you just knew we were going to get promotion. Um, and obviously the whole Russell Slade comments as well. Um, yeah. Then we nicked his best player at the end of the season, Moses Bajo. All kind of worked out well for us, <laughs> didn't it? <laughs> yeah, uh,
0: it was such a such a good day. I can't remember how old I was back then, but probably about fifteen, 15-ish, I guess. We took that whole
1: or thirteen, I think.
0: Yeah, we took that whole <laughs> away, and didn't we? We had the whole strip and i remember when taki gets sent off the thing is i can't even remember if we were like under pressure i don't i don't know if i'm just misremembering here because it was so long ago but i just remember watching the game and thinking there's no way we're going to lose this and we just singing we only we only need 10 men the whole game uh and like you say it was kind of that point in the season where cuz Leighton orient were they are rivals at that point weren't they in league 1
1: yeah 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 they were yeah so it was like it was a six
0: pointer and um I just remember thinking, we get a win today. We'll go and we'll go on and win it, and we did in the end. Um, no, no cries of marcello scored a fucking great goal at Brisbane Road last night. I was disappointed that didn't get going. Um, but yeah,
1: <laughs> going on the train Singapore on Saturday. That's that's,
0: <laughs> that's all you remember.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: know. it was a very busy train on the on the way up and down. Um, we got a couple of questions from the GPG that we'll quickly talk about. N5022, N122, still a mouthful, mate. It says, given our circumstances, (laughs) where is a satisfactory finish this season? What are you thinking?
1: Well, top 10, obviously, would be satisfactory. I think when you look at our resources and... You know, where we are in the league right now, top 10 would be good. Um, I would have probably taken even 16th at the beginning of the season. So anything really is just a bonus. But obviously we're kind of fighting for Europe. Are we fighting for Europe? I don't know. Um, I think, yeah, top 10 for me would be satisfactory.
0: I think it kind of depends on what you define as satisfactory, because like you say, going into the season, satisfaction is staying up. But as you do so well, the expectations get bigger and bigger and bigger. Like I can imagine now if we went on and didn't win a game from now until the end of the season and stayed up by the skin of our teeth, we'd all be thinking, what the hell went wrong? And we'd all be pretty pissed off about it. But you know, it's like a it's like a bigger picture and it's a it's like a it's a thing that annoys older Brentford fans when we get annoyed that we're losing <laughs> It's because they're always like, you know, we've been Loving in rages. <laughs> yeah. um, so it's a sensitive it's a sensitive topic, but in terms of satisfaction, now I just think it, it just I just think it evolves with every game. It's like we talk about it on every podcast. Essentially, it's like with every win, it's like okay, well, are we actually going to do this? Are we actually going to do this? No, we're not. No, we're not. No, we're not. But I think top ten. I think if we if we define satisfaction now as where we are now and how we're going, top ten, I'd be happy. Um, you know, we can dream about Europe. We can sing about Europe. And if if that happens, I'm sure there'll be many more uh, boozy away days next year. Hopefully, somewhere in. Eastern Europe in Prague or something like that but yeah got another question from Stevie Stevie giving uh who says is giving abuse to home fans the main element of a top away day and I saw this question I thought Do you know what Niall is probably not the right man to answer this question because <laughs> <laughs> Nile is probably the biggest one away day. In group <laughs> <laughs> what would you reckon
1: no, I think it's just part of the fun, isn't it? You know, I, I think I saw that comment on GPG. Um, I thought no, the Southampton fans, to be fair, were giving it large. And, uh, you know, when that happens, you give it back and it's just part <laughs> of the fun. Um, a little bit immature, but, you know, these things happen. You know, you wouldn't do that when you're outside, I don't know, outside of football. It is quite a weird weird concept, isn't it? Just, Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But, yeah, no, it's all, it's all part of the fun.
0: It's all part of the fun. I 100% agree it's definitely it's like a if when you go to a football match you just have to you kind of have to get involved with that kind of thing in my opinion it's just it makes it more fun it makes it better it makes it better when you score obviously it makes it so much worse when you when you concede but um it was it was like that that goal that we got in the last minute it's kind of vindication when when the home fans have been giving it to you the whole game um so it's not the main element of a top away day i wouldn't say but it's definitely one of the one of the ingredients um and, and
1: it's like people in the press, then you know exactly,
0: a win. exactly. <laughs> Niall, Niall literally and when we were Arsenal away, Niall reduced a man to tears last season. Um, he wanted to absolutely kill Niall. Uh, so I hope <laughs> that guy maybe go, went to some anger management classes because you had him on the ropes. <laughs> he was he was so angry with you. Uh, <laughs> times, we'll go on we'll go into Leicester then before before we wrap things up. How are you feeling before Saturday?
1: Uh, pessimistic. <laughs> really? Um, I, well, I just think Leicester. I, I don't think we've got a great record against them. Um, we played them a few times. We played them in the FA Cup twice, I think, when we we're in the Championship, um, and obviously played them in the last couple of seasons as well. Um, James Madison scares me. I think he's a quality, quality player. But they also have other players as well. You know, Patson Ian Acho, Harvey Barnes. Um, these are players that can win you games by themselves. And, um, I know their their record since the World Cup's been pretty terrible, but I j- honestly, I just I I just can't see us winning tomorrow or Saturday. Rather, um, I think it'll be a, a score draw. Okay,
0: fair enough. Uh, I I'm I'm quite confident. I think uh, Jordan said on the last podcast um, he's fairly confident whenever we play at home, really, and I, I kind of echo that. I think, like you said. Leicester are out of form and they're near the relegation zone. They're fighting for their lives. Rodgers is under pressure, but, you know, they've got players like Madison who always seems to score against us. Um, I've always been a big fan of Harvey Barnes. Kind of
1: yeah.
0: always want to see him do well because I really want to see him get into the England team somehow. Um, I, know he, I know he is capped. He is capped, but I just love how direct he is. Um, I don't know if he's just doesn't have that in product or if it's because he's at a team like Leicester but I'd love to see him get a big move somewhere because I think he's a really good player but like you said that those two specifically are players that can win you games um, especially Madison so I don't think it will be a formality but I'm definitely more confident than I am than I was going to Southampton or going to Everton as well um, so what are you saying score draw that's what you're thinking
1: yeah score draw maybe 1-1 2-2 um, yeah but that's what that's that's just me I just I, n- I never think we're going to win. when we do it's it's more of a bonus
0: all right I'm going I'm going to go I'm going to go 3-1 Bs I think I think they will I think we will get a goal probably a Madison free kick or something or a Madison Worldie that he always scores against us um right so before we round off Niall I'll give you the mic as you have to tell your funniest Brentford story uh for those (laughs) who don't know we are gonna. Get a funniest prepping story from every guest that appears on the podcast. We've already had a few diamonds in there. And then at the end of the season, get a little poll going on Twitter. Uh, go back through the episodes, trick which ones. And um, yeah, we'll find out which is the best. So, now over to you, mate.
1: Yeah, so I had to have a long, hard think about this one. Um, the one that just brings to my mind is in the playoff final against Swansea. Um, our our friend Will. I think he must have got um, maybe a whack or an elbow to the head in one of the goals. um during the limbs, um, and he was quite <laughs> severely concussed, but obviously no, none of us really gave a shit because we were playing <laughs> in a playoff final against Swansea. Um, so, yeah, we just kind of shrugged him off. Um, anyway, we get back to Brentford. We're all celebrating and everything, um, and obviously the players were coming back on the coach, and after all that had kind of died down, out of nowhere, he just threw up. All over Lionel Road, somehow missing everyone. I have no idea how because there were hundreds of people there. Um, and yeah, yeah, he 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 was in a state that day. But yeah, no, that that throwing up on Lionel Road that that really capped the day off for me. <laughs> so, I don't know if that's funny or if that's medical negligence. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, I mean, we do sound like really terrible mates, but you know, these things happen. It's a playoff final. Think- yeah, I
0: know. I think you're allowed to, you're allowed to not care about your know, friend throwing up in a player final, especially when we go up. I want to tell a funniest Brentford story. Um, my funniest Brentford story of Niall. When we were at Arsenal away in the Carabao Cup, for fourth round, I think it was maybe fourth, uh, against Arsenal away, Alan Jones scored a free kick. I didn't know Niall at the time. Um, I went into the toilet at half time. And... I seen this guy stumbling about the urinals (laughs) and I I felt like saying you're right mate, but I didn't. And uh, because I didn't, he's absolutely stacked it face first into a urinal. Uh, A few few older Brentford fans like picked him up and I saw his face absolutely battered. Um, I think that wasn't, wasn't your finest moment to be fair. Niall, I thought I'd share that on the podcast, but it's quite funny that we didn't even know each other at that time. And obviously I, the first time I met Niall, Um... I, 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 I remember saying, I, I recognise you from somewhere because one of our mates, uh, we've got mutual friends. So I, I remember seeing Niall and he told me he was a Brentford fan and I was like, oh my God, are you the Brentford fan that I saw stack into the Arsenal urinal was straight headfirst into, into a toilet. So yeah, that was you, wasn't it Niall?
1: Not my proudest moment, but yeah, we move on.
0: <laughs> I think that's a good way to end the podcast.
1: Don't me a bottle of water, big shout.
0: <laughs> um, I think that's a good way to end the podcast, to be fair. We've got a story about Will throwing up and a story about you smashing your face into a urinal. I think that's a quite a nice ending. So the Brilliant. Elam Road podcast will be back next week following the game against Leicester. I think we're aiming to record on Monday night, but I'm waiting for people to get back in touch um, with me on their availability. So yeah, we'll, we'll see you next week. And also if, uh, if you haven't bought Adam's farewell Griffin Park book yet, the link is still in our bio, so you can email the email address. that's in our bio on our Twitter page and get one of his books. Um, they're fantastic. We had a look at them through the last episode. So, yeah, we'll see you next week. And, uh, yeah, check our bio for the book. Cheers, guys. Cheers, Mel.
1: Cheers. Podcast Network.